So back when I was in school and I had to take tests, I had this thing I would do when there was a question on the test, you'd know it's looking for like one answer, one piece of information. It might say, okay, like explain in your own words what photosynthesis is or something like this. So I'd kind of know more or less what the answer, I put it there, but then I get a little bit nervous and I think, okay, maybe I need to put more information. And sometimes, especially on answers where I didn't really know, uh, the questions I didn't really know the answer, I just kind of put anything I knew that was related to that and kind of hoped to get some part marks along the way. And kind of Jesus in the gospel today seems to be doing something like this at first glance. Jesus is asked one question, right? Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Is, this is a singular, right? So someone's asking Jesus a question and is expecting one singular answer. But Jesus, kind of similarly to how I would do this in tests, gives a bunch of different answers, a bunch of different responses. But Jesus, unlike me, kind of has a good reason for doing this. In the gospel today, it's as though this question, what is the greatest commandment in the law, you cannot just give by giving one answer. You must have a few answers to this question. So let's dig a little deeper into this to see why there are really perhaps three answers to this one question. So Jesus first begins answering the question, what is the greatest commandment in the law? By going back to Deuteronomy 6, you shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, and soul. This is such a central prayer, such a central tenet for Jews even today, kind of how we as Christians have our Our Father. This passage from Deuteronomy 6, which goes on a bit further, was central to Jewish belief at Christ's time and is still so today. This prayer is sometimes called the Shema, which comes from the first word in Hebrew, which means hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then it goes on to say that you should mount these words on your doorpost and affix them to your forehead even. And Jewish, pious Jewish people today still do this. If you enter a Jewish home, for example, you probably or may have noticed a thing called a mezuzah, which is on the door frame. It's kind of a decorative tube or kind of a cylinder in which the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, which Jesus is quoting today, is placed. And it's a reminder for them when they enter their house or leave their house to try to fulfill this incredible commandment to love God with all their heart, mind, and soul. Also today, Jewish people sometimes in prayer will wear what are called phylacteries. That's kind of like a mouthful there to say three times fast. But this is sort of small boxes that are affixed to the forehead and to the arms. And if you've seen pictures of Jews praying at the Western Wall, you'll see oftentimes Jews wearing this. And inside those small boxes are again pieces of this prayer a reminder to love God with whole heart, mind, and soul. So this is so central. It would have been central for Jews at Jesus' time. They perhaps would have prayed this prayer several times a day. And this response to this question is so central that we are called to love God. We're not called to fear God. This is not the first commandment. We're not called to follow God out of a sense of obligation, but we are called to love God to be in a relationship with God that is based on love. So this then is the first answer that Jesus gives to the question. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus goes on to say something else. 
It's as though Jesus is saying, you can't just stop here with this question. You need to be able to kind of have another part to it. So Jesus continues, you must love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. This, of course, is taken from the book of Leviticus. So loving God, Jesus is telling us, involves loving our neighbor. It's kind of a famous story. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but it's from an old rabbi. His name was Rabbi Itzhak, who was in Ukraine. And he'd often tell that he learned the most about love from two drunk men in a bar. So he tells this story that there were two kind of older drunk men at a bar and they were sitting there talking to one another. And as the evening was going on, they were getting a little bit tipsy and were starting to kind of get a bit affectionate with each other and saying kind of how you'd say today, I love you, man. And then he was back, I love you. No, I love you. You know, back and forth like this as they were spending the evening there together. And then finally, the older one turned to the younger and said, listen, do you know what hurts me? Do you know the things that hurt me? And the other responds to him, how can I possibly know what hurts you? And then the elder said back to him, well, you can't really love me if you don't know what hurts me, what gives me pain. And this is kind of this example that Rabbi Yitzhak gave. In order to love someone, one aspect of knowing that person, loving that person is knowing not just what gives them joy, but also what gives them pain. How can you love me unless you know what hurts me? And what hurts God? Well, when other people are suffering, when other people are in pain, especially those who are most in need. So Jesus is saying, if we really want to love God, to kind of take this lesson from the two drunk men there, if we want to love God, we need to ultimately prevent what causes God pain, which is having the people that God loves, everyone, suffer to do what we can to love them, to reach out to them, to serve them. The first reading from the book of Exodus today emphasizes who we are aimed to serve. The book of Exodus talks about the special care that the Jewish community was to have for the strangers and the sojourners, those who were in a vulnerable situation in society. They were called to kind of have a preferential love for them. We continue this in the church today by aiming to have a preferential love for the poor. We're called to love all, Jesus calls us to, but particularly those who are poor, those who are in need. Jesus then in asked what is the greatest commandment in the law. Can't just stop with what you need to do to God, to love God, but in order to love God, you need to love your neighbor, the people that, love, that God loves. If we want to love God, we need to love them. There's kind of one other answer lurking in that second response. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus then is telling us, in order to love our neighbor, in order to love God, we also need to love ourselves. This might kind of seem obvious, but sometimes I think we can go through our life perhaps not really liking ourselves, not really being content with ourselves. Or we can think, okay, as Catholics, we have to be humble. So we always have to think we're not worth anything. Humility, true humility, is walking in the truth, recognizing, sure, we have weaknesses, but also we are good. Each and every one of us are created by God. We are blessed by God. We all have inherent goodness, many incredible characteristics. We need to be aware of these and have a proper love for them. If we can't love and appreciate ourselves, Jesus is seeming to tell us, it can be very difficult to love those around us. 
So Jesus is asked then one question in the gospel, and he gives three answers. The greatest commandment is to love God with all that we have, all that we are. But to love God, we need to love the people God loves, which is everyone. We need to love our neighbor. And in order to do this, we also need to love ourselves, to appreciate the gifts God has given us, and use this to serve others. So although Jesus is kind of giving three answers to one question, in the end, the theme is central, is the same, this theme of love. And love, of course, is central to the Christian message, really the core of it all, and this is what makes it so attractive, so appealing. So I'd just like to conclude with um, a, a short little statement from St. Augustine, which really highlights this centrality of love, which is ultimately the greatest commandment. And he would often say, love and do what you will. In other words, as long as we love, we're on the right track. Love and do what you will.